0: Well, good morning. It is great to be with you. I am a true confession to start off with. This is the first time I preach with an iPad, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I think, in theory, it will work just fine. It is great to be with all of you. Phil is is exactly right. Uh, I, I've been here before, and when Phil asks, he's like, "Hey, would you be able to?" And I don't even let him finish the sentence. Yes, sure, whatever you need. Would love to come. Thank you all. It has been. So, such a blessing for us, me and my wife Stephanie over the years, to be able to come and be just the, the tiniest part of your ministry, what you're doing here. And we are blessed every time we get to come and be with your family. Of course, we're, we're just the best of friends with the Allspaws, and we appreciate them and um, I know they've been with you. I, Phil told me he just celebrated his 20-year anniversary with you, which was crazy to me because it seems like just yesterday that we were doing crazy stuff back in St. Louis together. But uh, what a blessing I know it is for you all to have them here as, as your pastor. And um, you all, in, in all honesty, are, are such a great example of what a faithful church can do and how you can impact a community and how you can change lives and so thank you for that. Uh, I recommend whenever, I, I do work with lots of different churches, and when, when I have someone that particularly, I'm, I'm from the city, from a rural area that just sort of says, well, we're not really sure what to do, I give Phil's number out a lot and say, you need to talk to them. They know what they're doing, so thank you all for being a great example, not just to your community, but to other churches. That's fantastic. So as Phil said, I am going to be here um, today, for Sunday school, second service tonight, and then tomorrow night, and we are going to be talking about how we got the Bible and lots of different things like that, and this is, so part of what I do in my ministry at Harvester Christian Church is I am the director of the Merrill Institute. That may not mean anything to you, but I will just say it's this. It is our uh, our educational program, if you will, of Harvester Christian Church, and one of the things that we do among lots of different things is that we offer a a certificate in Bible and Theology, and sort of like college level courses that we teach at our at our church. And uh, the great thing, one of the one of the good things that came out of COVID, which is not a thing to say, but it it helped us to realize that we need to take a lot of what we do online. And so we have completely online courses as well too. So if any of you are interested in taking a course in Bible and Theology, it's just It's a fantastic experience. would love to talk with you about that for sure. And part of what you're going to get today and tonight and tomorrow night is come straight from our Merrill Institute. So it'll be great to be there, and uh, I look forward to it. it. So when Phil asked me, he said, so share why you love the Bible, and it really kind of honestly threw me for a loop because I had to... I've grown up with the Bible my whole life. I grew up going to church. I, I literally have never not gone to church in my life, and I've always just been, uh, just been enamored with the Bible. I love it. I've studied it my whole life, and I had to really sort of step back and go, "Why? Why do I love the? Bible? <laughs> like, I, I can. It's a feeling more than anything else. When we think about that, and I, I really kind of honestly got hung up on this concept of love." And why do I love the Bible? Because love is such a subjective thing many times, right? I started making this list of the things that I love, and man, it's a weird list, right? It is, you know, I obviously love my wife and love uh, my family, but I also love baseball. I also love Diet Pepsi, right? I I love uh, music. I love all sorts of things. And so those When you say I love those, know that I don't put all those in the same category, right? Uh, I have different levels for all of those and different reasons why I do that. We just use that, we kind of use that word love in many ways very appropriate and kind of other times it's just kind of a throwaway word, right? I love that. But when I come back and think about why do I love the Bible, I can answer that question for me, but I cannot answer that question for you. I can tell you, and I will tell you a little bit of why I love the Bible, but I cannot tell you why you should love the Bible. I can only hope that you will hear some of the reasons why I love the Bible and perhaps think about those and perhaps adopt those of some of the things that you do. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to, the first part of what we're going to do is real personal for me. And I'm going I'm to tell you why I love the Bible and tell you some difficult stories of how the Bible has really just worked in my life but then the second half of what we're going to do today is I want to I want to give you some suggestions of what you can do to help love to help yourself love the Bible more for sure. So, I'm going to open my heart to you and uh, here we go. Why do I love the Bible? I want to give you three reasons why I personally love the Bible. And I don't have any slides. I'm real old school when it comes to this. So, you're just going to have to open up your Bible and follow along, right? So, Turn over to Psalm 109, and we won't be jumping around a lot, but a little bit. Psalm 109, 105. Says this, that is not the verse that I wanted to. That is completely wrong. Let's try Psalm 119. There we go. Psalm 119, 105. Just simply says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. When I think about why do I love the Bible, the first reason is just simply this, is that the Bible guides our life. The Bible guides our life. Have you ever had times in your life when you just simply did not know what to do? Anyone? Just raise your hand. Have you ever encountered anything in your life where you're like, I just really don't know what to do with this. It could have been lots of different things. It could have been a relationship that is strained, or a relationship that ended, or blew up, or something like that. It could be a crisis, some sort of crisis in your life that came up, a, a financial crisis, or a work crisis, or something like, that, and you're like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. Or some sort of unexpected diagnosis that you've had, and you're like, man, this just came out of nowhere, and I don't know what to do with this. I think all of us have faced times in our life when we just simply did not know what to do. And many times we want, well, I don't know about you, but I want to be able to open up God's word and, and God just to say, like, turn to this book and go, Don, here's exactly what you should do. But it doesn't, it doesn't do it in that way. But the Bible guides our life in this sense, that the Bible tells us what is always the right next step to take. It doesn't always tell us like, hey, this is what you should, you're should you going to be doing 10 years from now. This is what you're going to do. But when a crisis comes in our life in and in a daily idea, it just says, here's the right next step. Now, the Bible doesn't get so minute as to say this is where you should eat lunch today or, you know, this is what sort of car I should buy or something like that. But it gives us general advice about how to live our life. When I think about this, I think about growing up, and I grew up in rural southeast Missouri. And I had the the great privilege of growing up next to my grandparents, literally next door to my grandparents. We shared a yard together. It was one of the greatest blessings you could ever have. And uh, we would, when we were young, my, my cousins would come over and things like that, and we would, of course, stay at our grandparents' house because they're fun, right? And uh, I can say that as a grandparent now, like grandparents are fun, right? Should be. And we would go stay at my grandparents' house and my grandfather's house uh, after my grandmother died. And we would stay till, especially in the summer, we would stay till really late. Now, what late was us just felt like after dark. It was probably like, you know, 930, but we thought it was the middle of the night. And then we would have to walk back home. Well, in the dark when you're little kids, walking back home in the dark isn't, isn't always fun. And I had an uncle that used to do things like hide in the bushes and scare you and things like that. So, uh, so my grandfather would always, he had this, this old little Coleman kerosene lantern that he would load up with fuel, and he would light it for us, and he would give that to us, and we would walk home carrying this little lantern. And I love the imagery there because this is what the, this is what the psalmist says of God's Word, is that when you, you take this lamp and you hold it, it doesn't illuminate 50 feet into, the, into where you're going to go in front of you. It doesn't illuminate everything. It shows you where the next step to take is. Here's the next step that you should take. Here's the next step that you should take. And I love the imagery that Psalm says that's what the Word of God does for us. It says, your Word is a light unto my path. It's a lamp unto my feet, right? It, is, it shows us where the next right step to take is. So if you have that strained relationship, it's not going to tell you here's the 14 steps to make it right. It's going to say, you know what? Here's the next right step. You should love this person. You should forgive this person, right? You should go talk to this person, all of those things, whatever it is. That's how the Bible guides us. It always gives us the next right step. Here's another reason why I love the Bible. This comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is one of the very first verses I ever memorized in the Bible, so even when I read it, I still, like, go back to King James. Anyway, so, because that's how I memorized it in. It just simply says, for the Word of God is living and active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it pierces to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart." A second reason I love the Bible is because it judges our heart. Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound fun, right? Because when, when the author of Hebrews describes that, he, he kind of gives the imagery that the, the Bible is sharp, that it, it's like you're getting sort of stabbed in the heart with this. A couple years ago, um, honestly, I had a little bit of a crisis of faith. Now, it wasn't a crisis of faith where I lost my faith in God, but I had some things happen to me that just I didn't know how to deal with, uh, kind of from a church leadership perspective. And it really, honestly, for the first time in my life, threw me into a kind of a funk that I did not know how to get out of. And I was was offended by some things, I was hurt by some things that people did, and, and I just didn't know how to get past it. And I know that I see some of you nodding your heads, you've been in that situation before. It's like something's happened, I just don't know how to get past this. And what bothered me about this situation was not just what happened, but also what bothered me about the situation was the way I responded to it. And I knew I was not responding to it, in kind of a, a Christ like way, the things that bothered me was why am I hurt? Well, is it my pride is hurt? Is it my feelings are hurt? It, it, it was just this really kind of a mess inside of me. And as I just kept, and, and it took about honestly about a year for me to work through a lot of stuff. And as I kept working through it, I kept coming back to this verse in Matthew where Jesus talks about what it means to be a leader, and to be a leader means to, to be a servant. And that's exactly what we do. And one of the reasons that, honestly, I was able to work through some of those difficult things was because I allowed the Bible to judge my heart, and I allowed it to sort of penetrate through some of the things that I knew weren't right with my heart. And that was not fun at all, but it's something that was necessary. And as I think back on that, I think through all of the things that we do, that, that we sort of put up a a barrier against the Word of God. And that we read things and we just let it sort of glance off of us rather than letting it really stick with us and really judge what's going on inside of our heart. I had a professor one time that said, you should always look at your Bible and you should always look at the places that you underline, right? I'm, an, I'm a Bible underliner, right? And he said, you should look at the places that you don't underline in Scripture, because we typically underline what we agree with, and we typically don't underline what we disagree with. And he said you should always watch for what you don't underline, because that's the part of the truth that you just don't want to face. And so that's an encouragement to you, is let the Bible work on your heart. Don't just give it head knowledge but give it heart experience as well too. And here's a third reason why I love the Bible. This comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. It just says all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Simply, the well, the third reason I love the Bible is that the Bible trains us for righteousness. It trains us to be righteous. Now, that word training has a unique meaning for me. When I think of training, I think of, of running. In the past couple of years, I've really taken up running. And when I first started running, I can say it was not enjoyable. It was not fun. It was anything that I thought, uh, like, it was just It was difficult at all. It was difficult for me. When I hear that it says that the Bible trains us, what I think of is running in the Missouri heat and humidity in August when it is 90 degrees at at 8 o'clock in the morning and it's 95 degrees humidity and you feel like you're just running through a swamp. To me, that's what the word training feels like. And you're running and you do that. But it says that the Word of God trains us. Now, training is not always fun. Training is not always the most enjoyable thing that we do, but that's what the Bible does for us spiritually. The Bible corrects us. It reproves us. It turns us around when we go astray. And the only way that we can truly live a life that God desires for us to live is to train ourselves for righteousness. It is to do those things that the Bible says, hey, this is really good for you to do. And it may not always be pleasant when you do it right now, but it is good for you in the long run. And it kind of circles back to some of those things I said earlier about forgiving people and talking to people and those, all those relationships. So those are a few reasons why I love the Bible. There's more than that But those are probably the things that are closest to me right now, and if I preach this sermon a year from now, I might give you different reasons, but those are some of the things that I've gone through lately of why I still love the Bible, because it just, it guides us, and it pierces our heart, and it trains us for righteousness. Now, I want to give you some ideas of some things that you can do to develop a love of the Bible. I talk to a lot of people in churches, and a lot of people know, and they go, I I should study scripture. I should know it. And, and we live in this world of shoulds. But I've, what I've found is that people just don't always know what are some practical steps I can take to develop a love of scripture. And so I want to give you just three practical steps. These are ones that have worked in my life. It's not an exhaustive list. You don't have to do them exactly like the way I do them or anyone else. But I just want to say, let me give you some advice. These are some things that work, have worked for me. Just real simply. Number one, is you can develop a love of the Bible by reading it regularly, reading it regularly. For me, the practice of Bible reading, as I said, is a lot like running. Now, my wife will tell you that even though I run a lot, the hardest part for running for me is walking out the front door. No joke. The hardest part is literally just deciding every time I'm going to run. Even though when I get out there, I always love it. I always say, I don't enjoy running, but I always enjoy having ran, right? I don't en- always enjoy getting out and doing it, but after I'm finished, I always am glad that I did it. I've never ran and regretted it. And so reading the Bible regularly is a lot like that. Every, for me, running, every run is not memorable, Every time I go out and run, I don't just go, that was the greatest experience ever. Many times I get back from that and I go, okay, I did it. And I don't always feel the immediate effects of it, but I know in the long term it does. And so here's how that I think that applies to reading the Bible. Every time you read Scripture, it is, I believe it's a divine interaction between you and God. But you will not walk away from every time reading the Bible going, my life has changed. You will not have an epiphany of immense you know, truth that just comes out of nowhere. Most of the time when you read scripture, it will not feel like something special has happened, but something special has happened. You won't feel it, but I promise you it is there. That most of the time reading, Bible, reading your Bible is essential, but it isn't always spectacular. Now, don't, don't misinterpret that of me saying, it, it, it's not spectacular, it is. But most of the time when I study Scripture, it is, it's just, I did it, and it's, it's fed me, but it's not, not something that I would go, it's the greatest thing ever. Because they're not always memorable, just like every run for me is not always memorable. But I can tell you that when you do those things, it, the accumulation of reading the Bible regularly is something that builds up over time. It's something that as you do it today and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year that you will see that the Bible seeps into your life, it seeps into your brain, it seeps into your heart and it will change you. But the only way that you can do that is doing it regularly. When I first started running, I set out to have a goal to run a half marathon. I literally never ran around the block in my life. I didn't know how dumb of a goal that was. But I did it in my first year, and I was amazed, not because I'm a runner, but because it was just something that I did. But I couldn't have done that at the very beginning. It takes that, it takes that commitment to doing it regularly. And the Bible, reading the Bible is the same thing. So one of the ways you can develop a love for Scripture is just by committing to read it regularly and understanding that every time you do it, it won't be just, you know, the flashing neon sign there. But every time is important. The second one is this, is you can develop a love of the Bible by studying it in community. Studying it with other people. One of the most helpful things that I've ever done in studying the Bible happens almost every Thursday morning at 9 o'clock at La Belvier Cafe in downtown St. Charles. That's when I meet with a group of three other guys, and we have studied the Scripture, and we come together to talk about it. And we're three very different individuals, but I can tell you that I'll, I look forward to it. I love doing that every week because studying the Bible in community is one of the greatest things that you can possibly do. It, we do it just not for our own benefit, but we also understand how other people see Scripture. And I'm going to be honest, I've learned more from other guys about the Bible than I have just on my own. Because I hear God speaking through other people as well too. So let me give you that encouragement. Find a few people that you can study the Bible with. Find a few people that you can get together and read the passage and then get together and talk about it. It will revolutionize your Bible study, I promise. And then here's the last suggestion for you. You can develop a love of the Bible by passing that love of the Bible down through your family. Pass your love of the Bible to your family. A few years ago, um, I started journaling through the Bible. I, hadn't, I had not done that before. And uh, it really started off as this exercise in just saying, hey, I got this new Bible, I want to journal through it. I've never done it, it just as a discipline for me. So I read about five chapters at a time, and I started keeping a journal of that, just one page in the journal. And all I did was just write my thoughts and reflections on those chapters. Nothing spectacular, nothing revolutionary. I didn't come up with anything new. It was just, here's what I thought about this on this day. And as I kept doing that, I was talking to my son, and, and he was like, man, Dad, uh, he said to me one time, he's like, Dad, when you die, can I have all your notebooks? I was like, okay. He's like, I, I just want to know what you thought about stuff. I just want to know how you, how you thought about that. So then I changed my idea of I wanna do this journaling through the Bible, not for myself, but I wanna do it for my family. And so I started doing it with that in mind. And it took me, honestly, because I did it off and on about four years to journal through the whole Bible. And this past Christmas, I gave that Bible, I wrote some notes in the margins, and uh, just some things that I thought through, and then I also gave the journal to my son, who now has two kids, and I gave him a brand new journal, and I said, and I wrote a letter in there, and I said, my son is Grant. I was like, Grant, I, I hope that the greatest thing that I can give to you as a father is a love of the Bible. I hope that I can give that to you. And I hope that you will take that same Bible and read through it and write your own notes to it, and that you can pass that Bible down through your family, and that 100 years from now, when my great-great-great-grandchildren have no clue on earth who I am, they can still know my faith through the Bible and the journal that I left for them. And so I would encourage you to find some way to pass your love of Scripture and your faith down through your family. It will be something far more than you can leave them from a money perspective or from a property perspective or anything else. If you can leave for your family your love of Scripture, find some way to do that. I'm sure you can come up with a creative way, an interesting way that you can do that so that the family that you'll never know will know that you loved the Word of God and you can put that to practice in their life. So my conclusion is this. I just want to say this. One of the, the most valuable things that I have in my possession is my grandfather's Bible. My grandfather became a Christian very late in life. He was actually diagnosed with, uh, with a terminal disease and he knew that he didn't have much time left. And he was a good man, but he had never given his life to Christ. But he did when he knew that he didn't have many years left. And he read through the Bible and um, he wrote notes in it. And one of the things that I, my most prized things that I own is my grandfather's Bible. Because I got to see how God worked in his life and in his heart He passed that down to me, and hopefully I'm passing that to my family. I hope that you will commit to developing a love of the Bible, not just for you, but for your family as well.